Well, here we are again, uh, Saddleback Covenant Church. Um, it is great to be with you again and, and come together and worship. Um, I just wanted to, as we, as we tee this up, um, obviously now we're about five weeks in, and um, you know, you're seeing some of the culture, some of the world is starting to f- kind of fray at, at the seams. But as our esteemed um, colleague in prayer, Dale Congelaire, says, this is our time to shine. This is the time for the body of Christ to come together and to show Jesus uh, and to be an asset and be a comfort to, to those of us around us. So, um, and it is not, you know, off of nothing that, that we get that strength. I'd like to read from uh, Psalms 46 here, um, which kind of says it all. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms are tottered. He, uh, his, he raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. And that's the rock on which we stand, is that he is our Lord, he is with us, and he is in it, over it, and through it. So as we sing um, right right now, just join our hearts together, and uh, we're just going to worship the one true king. Thank you. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain your love will surely come find us. Like blazing wildfire Singing your name God of mercy Sweet love of mine I have surrendered To your desire May Cannot contain mm-hmm. your love. 
Amen. 
heart is always good. You're always for us, working for our good and for your glory. God, we trust that. morning. I'd like, to, I'd like to thank you, Pat, Lindsay, Tony, John, for their assistance with worship this morning. It's so good to be here again. Um, uh, even though I can't see you, um, we have had a lot of interaction via the internet, and uh, we'll continue in this until we get through these times. Obviously, um, the COVID-19 crisis is on everybody's mind. Uh, it's affected the economic the educational, the spiritual, the medical, the social, the political, the psychological. And it's really important for us to see how God sees us and how we see God in the midst of it all. A crisis can be defined as a turning point from better to worse in an acute situation. 
an emotionally significant event of radical change or status. We cannot escape crisis in our lives. What we do when a crisis hits is the issue. How we respond to a crisis has eternal significance. Isaiah 33 says, And he shall be the stability or the security of our times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Psalm 31, 14, and 15 would also say, My times are in thy hands. The Lord is our stability, and our time here belongs to him. A crisis doesn't make us. A crisis only reveals what's in us. God gives us peace as it is Christ in the crisis, whence we have true peace. He said in John 14, 27, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. And he says, Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. We are living in a definite emotional and significant time. All the pundits and people my age that have lived a long life uh, have never seen anything quite like it. And like all crisis, we're not going to get out of this one just by snapping our fingers. We have to walk out of it. How God sees us responding at this time is incredibly important. The Chinese symbol for crisis is danger and opportunity. You've got danger on one side and opportunity on the other hand. So my question is, where am I going to line up? Not trusting and freaked out about the danger or trusting and seeing there's an opportunity to accomplish something here in God that we didn't know we could even accomplish. I think we need to go back and look at the disciples. After Jesus' death, the apostles were scared, scattered, and skeptical. Only John was at the crucifixion. The rest fled. A few weeks later, these same men who had, and women who had huddled in secret fearlessly and openly proclaimed the resurrection of Christ. The only thing that could account for their immediate and miraculous change is that they had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. The early church had little time to establish itself before it was threatened, persecuted, and by Acts chapter 7, we have our first martyrs. The early church had an opportunity to give up and to submit to the Roman Empire, but instead it grew in numbers and influence to today there are over 2 billion Christians worldwide. We are part of a legacy of a great cloud of witnesses, the first saints and the many that have followed. They gave everything in Christ. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott, martyred in 1957 by the Ecuadorian Indians. What are the things we can't keep? Time, money, energy, good looks, That's debatable, right? But like sand in an hourglass, so are the days of our life. I still remember my mother when she was home on vacation. Um, we'd watch a soap opera together. Uh, when, not vacation, but home from school. She was a school teacher. And always, like sand in an hourglass, so are the days of our lives. It just, and the sand kept coming down and going away. You wanted to stop it. No, no, but it just continues. I can't stop it. You can't stop it. In fact, even when we manage time, it slips away. Managing time doesn't give you or me more time. It just gives us more things to do in the times we have, which adds to another level of stress. 
Money. How much did he leave? All of it. Naked we come into the world and naked we leave. Jesus' challenge to his believers was for us, was for us to lose our lives for his sake. And his promise was, if you do that, you will find your life, your purpose, your fulfillment, your passion, what you're called to do, because the caller and the called have united in an eternal purpose designed by your creator. The Apostle Paul was an amazing person because he lost his life which is also losing your life is a paradox, but it's a principle of Christian life, and there's no shortcuts to it. But in 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 4, you may know a little bit about St. Paul. You may have heard about the Apostle Paul. But being a Christian is not for sissies. It's not a fair weather thing. Listen to his story, beginning in verse 4. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, and in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well-known, dying yet behold, we live as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always, yet always, yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing all things. Wow. As we study their lives, you could say they went from glory to glory, but I look at it, they went from crisis to crisis. Consider it with all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, that you'll be complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of the Father, who gives generously and without reproach. But let that man ask in faith. For the one who does not ask in faith, let him not expect to receive anything. For he will be like the surf of the sea tossed to and fro. Wow. James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Jesus warned us that in this world we'd have tribulation. But to be of good cheer... All right, out there, you're watching on the screen. I want to see smiles. Smile, come on, be of good cheer. Kids, turn to your parents, give them your best picture. Come on, that's it. No poker faces here. Be of good cheer. There you go. In this world, you have tribulation, but take courage. It means grab it. Grab the courage of Almighty God. Grab it. Or you grab the greasy pole of circumstances and the pit and feelings and anxiety. God gives us peace, but it can be disturbed by the trials of life. But we're to press on towards the upward call. We're to move towards the mark of maturity and walking in faith. The God we love will lead us to green pastures and still waters. Whoops. Whoops. He must have made a mistake because he also leads us in the shadow of the valley of death. He watches over us night and day. 
He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Like the classic hymn, His eye is on the sparrow. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without our Heavenly Father knowing about it. How much more valuable are this? Sometimes I wonder how I got here. I was going to be a lawyer. Yes, I hear you. That's what the world needs is another lawyer. I want to be a good lawyer. Ah, you don't even, we don't even need a good lawyer, do we? He knew that I was going to be a pastor long, long before I knew. I did not chart this course. And I dare say, if you really look at your life, you didn't chart yours either. Part of my journey was to go in the military. I wanted to be in the administrative side of the military. He put me in the airborne infantry, and I found myself in the Central Highlands in Vietnam. That was fun. I came home, and I started selling insurance. I had a really nice office overlooking the Potomac River. I had a secretary with an English accent. I mean, I had arrived. My problem was I didn't sell any insurance because I really didn't like it. And after the war, nothing much really had the kind of bite I needed. So then, of course, I met Dudley, my wife, and we were married, and uh, I, I had a dynamic experience with the Lord. So then I worked construction for about a year. If anybody knows me well, they know that I'm not Mr. Handy. My wife has the toolbox. But I did that for a year because I learned something about hard work. And I worked with people with fifth grade educations. And uh, one of my jobs, I got paid $3 an hour. But that was the big raise. Prior to that, in Albany, Georgia, I applied for a job at $2.10 an hour to be a street cleaner. I'd already been to 20 other professional interviews. I just needed a job. And the guy looked at me and he went, Things a little slow right now, son. So I, I told the Lord, how far do you want to take me down? I'm down to two ten an hour. Later, I got a job at $3 an hour. And um, I, uh, I was a carpenter's helper. And I got the raise of my life. I was, give, I was made the timekeeper for three fifty dollars an hour. That was like a huge promotion. After construction, I ended up teaching school for five years in a... Um, an all-black junior high, and then a, a white prep school for two years, and then a Christian school. I came to California, and I started all over again in business. And I was a business executive for 10 years. So how many, so far, are you here in Bible school in there anywhere? Are you here in, uh, I want to have my own church? I want to have, I was, listen, I love God. I'm just moving out, but He directed my path. A man's way is not to himself, nor is a man who uh, walks to direct his steps. Every good thing in my life did not come because I was in control. In fact, every good thing in my life was because I had yielded and trusted God beyond my own sight and feelings. That's in Jeremiah. A man's way is not to himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. And I've read this almost every week because it's just been with me. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. He delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. $2.10 an hour isn't begging bread. God took me through something of leanness to show me that I could have contentment in any situation with him as long as he's in my boat. Life experiences are ample reminders that despite our talents, our education, our charisma, our skills, 
We never have it all together. I'm especially speaking to you type A's. All type A's, raise your hand. All super planners. You can't go anywhere to do anything. You can't take a shower in the morning without a plan. Which shampoo you're going to use. You can't, I mean, come on. Are you really have that much, does that order and everything? I'm for order, but listen. God is with you. He's directing your plans. I want to read a quote. I got this from Judy Curtis. Judy was my secretary when I first started out as pastor here. And she and her husband, Leroy, moved to Kenya, West Africa, East Africa, excuse me. And um, they lived there for nearly 10 years. And she just wrote a, a letter. They're still doing missionary work in Africa and Latin America. Uh, Leroy's involved in translating curriculum into Spanish and to native language. Here's what she said. For those of us who live in the Western Hemisphere, control is such an illusion. An imposter, even. With no real power to deliver, it promises that most things will go pretty much as planned. It pats us on the back and acknowledges our good effort at being responsible people. One who prepares, troubleshoots, and thinks through before acting. And then, boom! Out of the blue, the rug is pulled out. Judy Curtis. The backdrop of this is they were on a beautiful day in Africa when their car went over a cliff. They were nearly killed. And it changed a lot of situations that they were immediately facing. And it was a very sobering time. Two months ago, the all-time stock market record. Two months ago, the lowest unemployment since it's been recorded. Two months ago, things are looking good. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Boom! God's calling us to walk by faith, knowing that He is faithful to bring us through regardless of the scope and complexity of the crisis. I want to say that faith is not a feeling. It's not even a feeling that something's going to happen. In answer to our prayers, faith may be easier when those feelings are present. Nevertheless, feelings of that sort never constitute faith. Faith is a response on our part, an obedient response of our wills to who God is and what he says. John White. Measure not God's love and favor by your own feelings no matter how you're feeling this morning or this evening, whenever you watch this. The sun shines as clearly on the darkest day as it does on the brightest, on the darkest day as it does on the brightest day. The difference is not in the sun, but in some clouds which hinder the manifestations of the light thereof. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just on the other side of the clouds. He's right there. So how do we get out of this? What do we do? What can we do? I'd like you to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 14. This is uh, a great book in scriptures. I love this book. 17 times in this book we're called to rejoice. It was written in 61 AD. Philippi was named after Philip of Macedon who happened to be the father of Alexander the Great. The city was founded in 357 BC. So it had been around about 400 years. It was right at the crossroads of Europe and Asia. It is where Paul met Lydia and had the first convert. It is where Paul and Silas dealt with the Philippian jailer when his whole family got saved. And now we're about 10, 12 years later, 
And he's writing the Philippian church. By the way, he's in jail. He's writing about rejoicing and he's in jail. Beginning in verse 1, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in, the way, uh, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Yudia and I urge uh, Sincte to live in harmony in the Lord. A couple of gals were not getting along. Had to work it out. Indeed, true companion, I ask also to help those women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, also with the rest of the fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. The next thing he says is incredible. Rejoice! What? He's in jail. Rejoice in the Lord always. What? And I will say, rejoice! Twice he says it. Are you ready? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Everybody rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Wow, rejoice means to gladden your heart. To make glad. Get out of the funk. Rejoice in who your Savior. Your redemption draws nigh. The Lord is with you. He's for you. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. He says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near at hand. He's right here. Be anxious for nothing. Wow, okay, we're going to come back to that. But in everything, anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of all peace will be with you. But I rejoice greatly in the Lord. And he goes on and says more about they had given him a gift, and you come down to verse 13, and he says, um, verse 11, he says, now I speak from I don't speak from want for I've learned to be content. He didn't know how to be content. He had to learn to be content. Is there anybody out there in TV land that has to learn to be content? What are we striving for? I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret, which is a secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Rejoice. Exhilarate yourself. Your forbearing spirit, may it be known to all men, your patience, your gentle about it, that the Lord is near, he's at hand. Don't be anxious for anything. Okay, Kevin, that is impossible. That is impossible. Okay, well then I'm just throwing it out. He said, be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried, don't be fearful, don't be uneasy, don't be jittery, don't be impatient, don't be perturbed, agitated, upset, panicky foreboding, distressed. Fear knocked at the door and faith answered and said, no one's home. A coward gets scared and quits. A hero gets scared and keeps going. In Psalm 94, he says, 
and my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Or many, there's many inside of me. God knows we have anxiety, but he's saying, don't be anxious. Why are you anxious about your clothing, about what you're going to wear? About shelter? Don't be anxious about tomorrow. It's got enough troubles of its own. Proverbs says, anxiety in the heart weighs a man down. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast all of our anxiety on him. So we're being told to be anxious for nothing, but then there's also the knowledge that in not wanting to be anxious, we are trapped in this time-space world and anxiety does hit us all. But there's a way to overcome it. Because to be anxious for nothing, but it says in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving is the recipe for success. It's the way out of anxiety. Let your request be made known to God. Talk to God. Come before Him. Don't fret and worry and get all anxious. We worry more than we pray. The study was done. 92% of all the things you and I worry about never happen. And the other 8% we had very nearly no control over. He says, the peace of God surpasses all comprehension in the midst of prayer. It guards our heart, which is the seat of our affections, and it guards our mind, which is the seat of our intellect. I think being content is when you just don't want more. It's just not good enough. And that's a road, that's a pit, that's an abyss that men better than me have gone into, trying to find something that just isn't there. The way to go is the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm moving towards a close here, but I want to say Paul understood he had learned it how to get along in prosperity, and he had learned how to get along when he was broke. I don't know if I'm happier today than when I applied for that job for $2.10. I think I was really happy then. I thought, this is really incredible. By the way, I had a college degree at the time, and I had been an officer of the Army, and I'd, had some, I'd already had executive experience. Things a little slow right now, son. The Lord has a way of bringing us down to where we need to be. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Greek is enduma, where we get endowment. It means empowers for a task. It doesn't mean I can do all things so I, I can do all things to get what I want. It means when I'm walking with Him, I can do all things through the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. All things aren't good, but they work for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Jim Elliot said it well, again. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. May we today elevate our thinking and realize that there's nothing the enemy throws against us that we can't overcome. That we are victors, not victims. Hallelujah. Did you get it? Ethan, did you get it? Bill, did you get it? Give me a good shout out, amen, loud. I mean, listen to these guys. These guys have been getting saved and resaved every Sunday. When we come back to church, which I hope is not too long, they are going to surprise you on how spiritually mature they are. So we're going to turn, we're going to turn worry into prayer. 
You want to worry less, pray more. Say it with me. Worry less, pray more. Worry less, pray more. Our control is an illusion. Positive attitude, absence of conflict, good feelings isn't going to get the job done. Our victory comes from knowing that God is sufficient to handle everything we face. We're saved by faith, we walk by faith, and he's with us now. So I'm going to turn it back to Pat and the team, and uh, I'd like to pray first for Alana Bretzman, who works at St. Joseph's in a COVID-19 ward. She's a charge nurse there. She's been doing this for weeks on end. For Amy Richardson, who is Bowen Wilbersley's sister, who works in the ER at Mission Hospital. For Susie Hale, who is a surgical nurse at Mission Hospital. And uh, for Laura Williams, who is a natal, natal nurse at um, Chalk. As well as my uh, niece, who is an ER doctor uh, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Lord, we, we thank you for these people that have laid their life down for the sake of others. You said greater love has no man than this than to lay his life down for his friend. Bless them and their families. Protect their families, Lord. Protect their children. Put a hedge of protection around them. And Lord, we join with these five as a symbol of all the many tens of thousands of medical workers in our country, around the world, and others who are on the front lines in harm's way, Lord, whether it's police or EMTs or uh, the people at our grocery stores and pharmacies, we lift them up, Lord. May our nation come together at this time. When we, it is in unity where you pour out the blessing, Lord. And so we are salt and light by your making. May we continue in that vein and may we see your hand and may we give you all the honor and glory. In your wonderful name we pray, amen.
Nine 